What's happening, guys? Welcome to episode 19. I uh, just want to put this out there really quick before you get into this. We already marked this one as explicit, but we did get into some um, rather graphic details. Not anything too crazy, but for some, it could be considered graphic. So if that's not your thing, um, I would suggest moving on from this particular episode. Uh, Micah, who are we having on in our next episode, by the way? Uh, we are having she-squatchers. Heck yeah, bro. Because we're going to talk about Bigfoot. Bigfoot. Uh, for those of you that couldn't see, I was doing a pretty cool little dance there, so be impressed. Um, I'm actually pretty excited. I'm excited to have some people on to talk about Bigfoot. I like Bigfoot, but I don't know enough about Bigfoot. That's what we're going to have these ladies on. And uh, that's also kind of a, another cool little enigma about them is that most of the time when people talk about Bigfoot, they don't associate ladies with Bigfoot. And this happens to be an all-lady research team on Bigfoot uh, based out of was it Minnesota, right? Yeah, Minnesota. So, yeah. So, anyways, uh, join us for that episode. That'll be episode 20 of Bob. 20 episodes, dude. Man, we're moving along. Okay. And uh, in this episode, what did we discuss? We discussed Ruby Ridge and the overreaching of the U.S. government. Yeah, just a little bit. Just a little bit of an overreach. Just a little. Not, not, not too much. No, not too much. I'm just kidding. It's freaking messed up, as you'll as you'll hear as you get into the story. Um. And if you don't know it, please listen, because I didn't know the name of this. I didn't know this instance. Instance. instance hell, Micah, help me out. I can't say the word right now. Oh, the crap. You can't say it either. Did you forget? It's, no, it's incident. Okay, this is it. Thank you. This incident um, should never be forgotten. And um, I think if you listen to it all the way through, you, you're, it's going to resonate with your with your soul, no matter who you are, if you're an American. And even if you're not, it probably will resonate with you. Um, also, guys, as always, join the conversation on Facebook. You can follow us on Twitter. Please go to YouTube if you'd like, and you can subscribe and hit that like button, as Micah loves to put it, or smash it, whatever he likes to say. I don't know what it is. What is it? Smash it? Yeah, it's it's uh, hit that like button and smash that. Sub- I, don't, I don't really Hit it, know. bop it, twist it. Yeah, it's not my thing. That's uh, Matt and something. It's a YouTube channel. Uh, yeah. So anyways, um, you can find us on there if you want to watch our beautiful faces and our words that don't match our mouth. Uh, you can watch us on there. Actually, they might match tonight since... Let me see. I'm going to see my mouth. Nope, they don't match. Um, so anyways... <laughs> my screen. That's, that's oh, that's all that matters. I think, I think we'll be okay. Yeah. Maybe we won't, but we might be. And as we said to you guys, I know a majority of our listeners listen to us through Spotify, but if you can at least give us a heart or a review, I, again, like we said, I don't think you can give a review, but you can hit the heart button. Um, that really helps us out. And you can leave a comment. Follow us. You can follow the uh, Spotify, uh, like the profile. Um, yep. It'll notify you when we release new episodes, and that, that helps out as well. So anyways, I don't want to hold us up any longer, Mike. Are you ready to get going on this case? And uh Break it down? Yeah. All right, let's do it. Roll the music.
What's happening, guys? Welcome to episode 19 of Bob. Tonight, we are dealing with, as mentioned in the introduction there, um, a topic that's going to involve some maybe difficult things to hear or listen to. So if you're easily triggered, um, I, I would maybe, I don't know, Micah, should we recommend that people don't listen to this one? I mean, definitely Mark is explicit. I mean, it's, I mean, it's kind of... Go ahead, sorry, what? Yeah, um, real quick, just get it out. It's, we were having some issues. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if William's voice cuts out, I apologize. For some reason, he can't get into the uh, the website that we were using to record. So I'm going to try my best to not talk over him because it will completely mute him. Um I'll just keep my mouth hid behind this and I'll just time it out really well. Cause I never interrupt you. So we're totally gonna, we've got this. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, I don't, I know I personally, I don't, I don't think so. Like, I think this, I think the story is it's sucky, but, uh, I don't think it goes to any great length of, of needing to, warn people a trigger warning or something like that yeah i mean just in case you are a person who's easily triggered Uh, i i will say this i personally had never heard of this case until not even maybe three weeks ago roughly i i literally had never heard of this this is just prior to uh waco which maybe we'll cover that too um and this is known as the ruby ridge incident and it's uh, like Mike said, maybe not that bad for some people. But I, I personally think it was pretty bad. Do I think a lot of stupidity happened on both sides? Yeah, kind of. We're going to get into that. But um, it, this is not to me when I was going through the story. There were parts of it that I was like, this is this is freaking messed up. Like this is if if you're listening to our show. First of all, have we ever talked about how our show is like so bipolar on the fact that we're like one day we're like let's talk about the constitutional rights and america and presidents and like politics and then like the next day we're like dude bigfoot he could be real like it's a real po- <laughs> 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 oh my goodness uh, but anyways yeah um so for those of you that maybe have never heard of ruby ridge welcome this will be your first time hearing about it and for those of you that have um, go easy on us because I do feel like there was a lot to this case, even though it's, it, there's a lot of moving parts that ended up going even farther down the road from this particular incident. So I'm just going to do our, you know, we're going to do our best. Like we always do to bring you the facts, the evidence that we do have and what we do know for sure. And then we'll give our closing thoughts and opinions on it and let you form your own, your own opinion. I mean, that's, that's kind of what we do on the show here. So Mike, is there anything we need to add real quick before you think we get started or? No, I I don't think so. I might have my usual response. <laughs> yeah. Nope, I'm good. Let's go. <laughs> well, um, I guess, I mean, we don't have to give a ton of background, but we, we have the family we're going to be discussing is the Weavers. And that's going to be uh, his uh, Randy and Vicky, right? Yeah, Randy yeah. and Vicky Weaver. Uh, where were they originally? They were in... I believe they lived in Iowa. Um, that's right. And then they moved to Idaho, which is where this incident happened. Correct. Yeah, and I guess the reason they kind of left, to give you just 
just a little bit of background on them. Um, kind of sounds like they were at least the wife, Vicky, was really into. Um, I don't know if she. I guess kind of a pretty religious person. Um, definitely believed more in like homeschooling the kids versus letting you know them go into the education system that way. And I didn't know this, but at the time they said that it was in Iowa that they were at, right? That it was barred. You couldn't homeschool your children there. I didn't even know that that was a thing in certain states. Like, when did that get slipped into the the cracks of like? Well, it was 1980. Um, so. There'd be more freedom though, in some ways. It was the 80s, man. Like, I don't know. I just, to me, it was weird. I was like, that's kind of weird. But yeah, as mentioned, um, that was some of their fundamental issues with the government or the beginning the beginning of their issues with the government. And sounds like Randy had a lot of issues anyways, maybe even more than his wife. But I think his wife, for me, my interpretation of her was kind of more of a religious feeling to everything. Like she was viewing how things were going in the world and interpreting it through scripture, I guess you could say. Um, they both believed it to be the end days. Is that kind of the feeling you were getting there, Micah? Or? I mean, yeah, they were definitely... It's. it's I, I think that they were re- religious, but I don't know um, if, you know, like what, what exactly their religion was. And when they moved to Idaho, they started <laughs> to uh, a group that. Um, Fantastic group of people. Well, you, we couldn't hear you. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. Uh, I wish w- we will fix that come next episode. We'll figure out what's going on with. Uh, that website and everything we're gonna fix that we promise uh, oh we'll cut out oh i didn't know if i could slip in between i thought anyway. i could slip a word in there my bad <laughs> go ahead so yeah they're religious, religious views go ahead. go ahead yeah so they they uh after they moved to idaho which by the way the, the way that they moved to idaho basically they decided they didn't want to live in iowa um and they decided to leave Iowa. I don't think they really had a plan as to what they were doing, where they were going, where they were going to live. They just didn't want to be in Iowa anymore. So they found uh, a plot and I'm not sure how big it was, but it's a, it's a sizable piece of property. Um, uh, and they paid $5,000 cash for it. So in Naples, was, and then they built uh, a cabin on it, mostly of, scrap wood from the lumber mills uh the local lumber mills which is really big up there it's really close to canada it's just mm-hmm. south of canada it's not very far um to canada and um yeah, so they, they, moved. Uh, they built a home there and they were basically like they 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 wanted to grow their own food they wanted to keep their kids at, at home and and homeschool them and so on and so forth but the group that they joined there i guess you would you would probably <laughs> nowadays call them, uh, I don't know, neo-Nazis or... Uh, White supremacists. For sure. Um, it, and it did, to me, it sounded like Randy had some um, racial issues. Like, he probably he probably was racist. Um, and it, I, I don't say probably was. So he, I believe he's still alive. Um uh, so I, he's probably a racist, and um, he kind of expressed some of those views. And the way that he sees racism is like, 
Well, racism just means that you you like your race, and it's... <laughs> I like my race. Your race sucks. <laughs> um, crap about other people specifically based on their race, and yeah, you're kind of a sucky person. Well. Yeah. You know, and to give a little background too on this, guys, like when we say that they bought a plot of land, like literally up a mountain, up a ridge, like nothing, like no water, no running water, no electricity. Like when we say they're living off the grid, they are living off the grid. Um, I, I know I'm kind of backtracking here a little bit, but some of this had, did have to do, I just remembered, with the farming because they were farmers and that whole the, the famine, or not the famine, but the uh, the issues that were taking place with the farmers in the 80s getting screwed over, that was the reason they got out. So he wanted to get out and basically be completely him and his wife off the grid, not dependent on anyone or anything, and especially if it was associated with the government. I don't know, I, it, from what I understood, it did not sound like the Weavers knew when they moved, they actually moved to, what was it, Naples? Naples, Idaho. Like Mike said, basically like a throne throw away from uh, Canada there. I don't think that they knew that this particular headquarters, what do they call it? The world gathering or something like that. I can't remember the exact exact name for the, it's basically where like the neo-Nazis and uh, what they call it, what the, what the one group called like the, I can't remember their name. It was something like the neo-Christian Nazis. And I thought that that was interesting. I was like, how do you get uh, anyways okay we're we're not going to go too far to that but it is definitely part of the story i don't think that he knew that literally the world headquarters for it was like 70 miles or something like that from where they moved and so with this place being super remote like let's face it i've i've never been to idaho i don't even know anybody from idaho i've never even never even seen somebody from facebook from idaho so <laughs> idaho is famous for its potatoes you very well much. Uh, yeah, but also speaking on this particular uh, place, I guess it was it's a pretty common place for people that want to be off the grid. A lot of people around them also were there for the same purpose. They wanted to be away from big cities. They don't want to be dependent on government or anything like that. And so they they moved out where they could be left alone. Exactly. Which I mean, I. I mean, I feel like there's been times in my life when I've had a really bad day at work and I'm like, screw it. We're packing everything up. I'm moving. <laughs> I'm done. I'm freaking done. Um, so I kind of get it. I, 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 and two, I mean, this was in the eighties. Not that things were every, every time era, I guess has its own difficulties or its own challenges it's facing, but I don't think it was that crazy of a thing to be like, not really. It was a lot easier to be self-efficient too, and not or, or self-dependent, and not have to rely on anybody else. Now we're very tied into the system. You know what I mean? Like a- everything you do is tied in the system. And as we tell the story, we'll see even in their time era some of the issues that arose from them being disconnected from the system. I guess you could say in technology. Um, but yeah, giving a little bit of background on, so like I said, that being that 70 miles away, it sounds like he showed up to some of those events, him and the kids, and I think they had, at this time, they had his daughter, Sarah, who was the oldest, I don't remember her exact age, 16, I think at the time, his son, Sam, and his daughter, Rachel, it does not give a lot of information, I couldn't find much on her. I think Sarah was 12, I thought. Oh, right, when they first moved, you correct, yes, 
Thank you for that. Um, but at the time when they moved, they had their three kids. They had Sarah, Sam, and Rachel. Um, and it sounds like they showed up at one of these like <laughs> picnics or whatever, whatever you might want to call it, or church. And they were all like, hi, Hitler. And uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> I don't think it was quite that bad. Um, but I mean, context on the atmosphere of society at the time apparently there was a lot of white supremacist groups um that were basically uh domestic terrorists they were like burning places um i think they even killed a radio talk show host uh, yeah. like pretty significant things um and so the government was taking it very seriously and the the groups that they were had had been targeting um were were basically the terrorist groups and then they decided that they i I guess wanted to get a jump on it um and kind of go after some groups they thought were high threats which kind of led them to uh the kind of nazi-like uh, groups that the Weavers unfortunately kind of associated themselves with, um, which they, I mean, they like they they put full fledged into this kind of stuff where they had informants, they had federal agents going undercover, which is actually mm-hmm. part of the story that we're talking about. Um, one of the one of the gentlemen that were was attending these. Um, oh, and it sounded like over the course of years, yeah, like four four or five years excuse me, four or five years roughly, right? That he was, to be clear though, just as we're saying this, and I'll let you keep going, at no time did he actually join the church or I don't even know if you want to call it church, but their group, their church, whatever. It sounds like there was a culmination, like Mike is saying, of a couple different movements there. Like it sounds like, the, and I, I don't know all the breakdown, but like there was definitely the white supremacist feel of like believing in Cain and Abel and the split and how Jews are, of Cain's descendants and the white people are like, these guys are the purebred. Like they were some rough looking people. I'm not going to lie. Like if they're, if they're the epitome of what all mankind should be, um, I don't know. Just, <laughs> just my thoughts on it. But anyways, yes, they sort of associated with these guys for sure. But like the one guy said, even some of the research we were doing, not saying it's right, wrong, or otherwise, right? And I, I don't nobody get mad at me saying I'm defending Nazis or whatever here, but being where they lived in this land, you kind of had to lean on your neighbor. You know what I mean? Like there might be a time you help, you know, I scratch your back, you scratch my back, kind of deal, because you're in the middle of freaking nowhere. Um, so I, just to be fair, I guess what I'm saying is why you're continuing to tell the story. Absolutely, it sounds like over the course of four to five years, he was associated with these guys, and the what was that guy's that informant's name? I don't remember it. If he was an informant, I believe he was. In fact, he was an actual agent. Um, Correct. But but the ATF had uh, flipped him, so he was an informant for the ATF. So he was a snitch, essentially, but under government ruse, I guess you could say. Still, still a federal agent. Like, well, he wasn't. But he wasn't actually. What I'm saying is, I don't think he was. I see. That's the part I got confused on. I didn't, I couldn't tell if he was actually a federal agent or if he was like a guy that they had, you know what I mean? Gotten a hold of and like, we're like, you give us information. The, the whole, the whole reason this all started, I guess, since, since we're already at this point, um, the whole reason this started was mm-hmm. because Randy Weaver sold two illegal shotguns to someone who asked him to make these shotguns for him. 
um, from my understanding, the guy that asked him to make two sawed-off shotguns and sell them to him, which was $700 for two sawed-off shotguns. Um, which is the guy that he'd been friends just, with off and on for four years or whatever. So it wasn't, right. yeah. And it was somebody that he, he thought was his friend. Apparently, after he sold the shotguns to him, um, he, he somehow found out. I don't know how exactly how that happened, but he somehow found out that he was a federal agent. Um, then the federal government actually came to Randy Weaver and told him, look, we need, we want you as an informant. We want you to tell us all this stuff and what's going on and da, 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 da or we're going to charge you with two counts of, um, I don't remember exactly what the well, charge was, but I think Charge. Yeah, it would just be a felony charge. I don't think it was a federal. It's just a felony charge if you were to saw off the shotgun. What's that? Felony. It means a federal charge. Re- oh, federal see, government is charging you with something. It makes it a felony. I okay. I never knew that. I really thought that when you just have a felony, I thought it was like a lesser of offense than if it was like a federal no. offense. Misdemeanor is a lesser offense. A felony is That's the word. Uh, some serious crap. So a misdemeanor would be like a, uh, uh, maybe you bumped somebody's bumper pretty hard and you ran away from the scene. Uh, yeah, you probably would charge. You might, you might not even get charged for that. But like petty theft uh, is considered you know, a misdemeanor. What? Like petty theft is that considered a misdemeanor? You know, petty theft. Yes, anything over a certain amount is considered uh, felony. Okay. Grand well, well, larceny, whatever. I, I don't remember exactly, yeah. but. Point being. Uh, <laughs> point being, he sold sawed-off shotguns to someone who specifically asked him to saw off shotguns and sell them to him. The Which guy he did himself, right? He self-admitted that Randy himself, like he physically himself, did this. It wasn't like even yeah. it was like I know a guy. Like he straight up sawed the shotgun, sawed off the barrel, two shotguns. Which, in my personal opinion, I mean, I don't, I don't modify my my firearms in any legal manner. But I'm just kidding, guys. That might be watching on YouTube. That wink was a total joke. I did it purely for comedic reasons. I swear to God, if he's doing something, I don't know. It was just a joke. Settle down there, little YouTuber. That's I don't modify my firearms in any legal manner because <laughs> I don't want to get in trouble. I've got a family to be here for, so I'm not right. Things that are going to get me in trouble. Gonna... <laughs> um, Those are the kids. Yeah, I keep winking. But <laughs> in my personal opinion, um, <laughs> sawing a barrel to a shotgun doesn't make it any more deadly. Um, so I don't really see why it's a crime. I think it's a bit of a government overreach. Um, and it, the only thing that that does is even if you said, Hey, you saw it off the barrel to this shotgun, it makes it easier to conceal. Yeah. Commit a crime. Well, it would still have to be being used to commit a crime. Someone's still doing something to commit a crime. It's not, it's not the act of you sawing that barrel off. That should be the crime. It's whatever you're doing as a crime. That is the crime. You know, like, Personally, I don't see why it's an issue uh, to have a, a firearm that's shorter than X amount. I mean, 
I'm gonna. I could go on a. T- I could go on a rant. So I'm. 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 I'm gonna. <laughs> Reel them in. Reel them in, boys. Bring them back in. I have in my possession. I have. Oh Lord! Don't called, tell him. <laughs> I have what is called an AR pistol. Um, now, an AR pistol has to be registered as a pistol, just like any other handgun. So it's considered a handgun. Um, Sir, but I, it is in a five-five-six caliber rifle round. Sir, I Sir, think you 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 know. Did you hear that echo? No, that's weird. It's weird. Uh, it, it, I don't know. It's weird that it's there. But anyways, I, what I was going for is that I think you mean a uh, assault human killing pistol. Uh, let's use the right term there. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I can't help but like, all right, I, I'm going to stop. Assault, uh, human killing rifle pistol. Um, <laughs> it does have to be, has to be registered as a pistol. But it can have, it can, so uh, the legal um, qualifications for a rifle has to have a 16-inch barrel. Is can have less than a 16 inch barrel. Um, so I can uh, right now I have a 10 and a half inch barrel, um, but I don't have a regular. The only thing that, that differs that rifle, which I'll call it a rifle because it's a rifle, um, the only thing that changes, the only thing that makes my rifle a pistol is that it doesn't have a standard buttstock, it has what's called a brace and it's meant to be fired with one hand, but. It, I mean, it, it looks pretty much just like a rifle. That's the only difference, literally. There's no mechanical difference of any sort. Um, but that that's that's a legal, like, I don't know what you want to call it. But it's it's retarded, in my opinion. Whoa! No, I just brought out the R word. But strong, like, strong oh. R there, son. Strong R. It, oh, my goodness. It's, it's annoying to me. There's so many, there's so <laughs> many laws around firearms it's just it's unbelievable uh, oh we're so getting pulled for sure albeit we know it's illegal i'm sure he knew it was illegal to oh yeah saw those barrels off he knew he even uh, said he knew it was illegal because he was hesitant at first about I, it i really don't think it should be i just don't yeah. uh, but point being he did he did do this did he do did it. sell him to the guy and as stated the guy shortly after was either discovered Either was directly, uh, definitely an FBI agent or ATF uh, uh, informant, or they had flipped him. Either way, he gets discovered and he's out, right? So now the ATF is looking for a a new guy, right? We need a new informant. Because like Mike had said, I can't remember what that group was called out there. There was a group, like you said, it was doing all the crimes and stuff. But they had really spread their guys out into this group as much as possible to really keep tabs on them. Especially after that, it was a radio host. He was a, a Jewish radio host out there that they actually killed. I don't... I don't remember his name, but anyways, so what they basically do is go, they come to Randy, like they actually got a hold of him at one point through a friend somehow or something, because the guy doesn't have a phone. Uh, <laughs> they were able to be like, hey, um, or wait a minute, let me think about this. Did he get arrested on this charge? Uh, No. No, no they, that's right. First they, they said, that's right. They could charge him and arrest him. For two counts of um, selling illegal shotguns, if he was if he did not cooperate with them and become an informant, he said, "I'm not doing that." And he decided that um, instead of allowing himself to be arrested, he was just going to go live on his land and stay out of the public, so that he 
you know, they, they wouldn't come and arrest him or whatever. And it worked for a while. I mean, he was a there a year, a year. Yeah. A whole year. I, I, this is, and this is where it gets weird is because he gets, okay. So that first year, it sounds like things kind of worked out because it was in the background too. We had a lot of other stuff going on. The, I don't know if it was the ATF or the FBI director, one of the two, they were getting a new director or something like that. Excuse me. So they were kind of busy with that and they had more pressing issues, I guess. And so one guy knowing where he's at, you know what I mean? Like it wasn't a big deal to them, but that's when they ended up in. It's a guy that sold a couple shotguns. Well, that's a big freaking problem. Like we're going to shut that crap down right now. (laughs) It's not like he's a, it's, it's not like he's an arms dealer. He's not rolling in like crates of firearms and giving them out to mafia members. Like he's not even growing drugs. He's not even like most people that live off the grid grow dr- like would just grow a ton of marijuana. You would think, right? It's the eighties. Cocaine, or we can't. I can't say that. Uh, coffee was a big thing back then in the eighties. <laughs> oh my god! So point being, he, him, and his wife. One day after about a year after this happens, right? So he gets threatened with this. They're like, join or. These are the charges. I don't know if he just thought they were going to forget or just didn't give a crap. I don't know. But him and his wife are driving down the property. And again, you got to keep in mind, they're up on a mountaintop. So basically, any direction you go away from there where they built their house, if you want to call it that, looked somewhat decent, actually, for just being kind of thrown together from, you know, leftover spare pieces of wood. It did look pretty good. Um, Anyways, they're driving along and I see uh, a vehicle broke down. You know, the man, I think it was a man and a woman and they're, they're front hoods open so them being the polite people that they were it sounds like somewhat decent people and they were like oh those guys are white um i'm just kidding <laughs> i guess we can help them um anyways that's terrible god's sake okay so anyways they see this them you know apparently in trouble and obviously being in a really remote kind of area they're like let's help them sounds like he get jumped out to look at the radiator went and put his hand on it and as soon as he puts his hand on it this guy, I don't remember the name of the officer at this time, because this was the ATF at this time, right? Yeah. I, I, I don't remember. Yeah, almost, I it was so. the ATF. Yeah. yeah, which, okay, so for people that may not know, too, that's what that's, uh, Mother Truckle, I did sh- It's alcohol, tobacco, and firearms? Is that what they stand for? I think so, something like that, yeah. Why is tobacco on the list? Like, I feel like we, we definitely should have, we should have looked that up before I brought it up. I'm pretty sure ATF stands for ah, God's sake. Now I don't, now I'm worried that I said it wrong. I, I felt like I knew what it was and they were talking about it. Yeah. Okay. Bureau of alcohol, tobacco and firearms. I was right. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. So anyways, this agent from them, ATF is like freeze, you know, announces who he is. You're under the rat, you know, you're under arrest for blah, 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 blah. At this point in time, from my understanding, he does get arrested. He gets arraigned, brought before a judge and they tell him, Again, I think at this point in time, they did offer him again to be an informant, right? No, I'm not sure that he got that. That part, I think I might have got mixed up a little bit. And I think um, I think he may have been offered that deal after he was actually arrested. Um, and the the year the year that that we were referring to was actually um him not going to court because they, they offered, they said, Hey, you work as an informant for us or we'll charge you with these. And then he was supposed to show up for court and he just decided to never show up. I don't and, think so. I, I think that happens here at this case. I'm, I'm pretty sure one of us, one of us are right. So either way, we got the information to him. So, <laughs> it's more of the same thing. 
super ready for this guy. So like, you don't even know. Um, so anyways, I believe at this point of him being before the judge, I don't remember this judge's name, but he basically tells him this is the deal again. This is the offer. And he has to put his, I think they let him put his house up as, um, Collateral. Oh, yeah. But what's it called when you're bail? Yeah. Bail. Yeah. yeah. But what but, they didn't tell him was that if he was found guilty, that his house would basically wouldn't be his anymore. Uh, but, and that they but, confiscate his property. But that was no, no, that was the part that got mixed up, actually. So he misunderstood the the judge. It sounds like literally said this wrong was like, you know, if he basically said, OK, we're going to allow you to put your house up as collateral or as a, uh, a bail. But if convicted. We're coming to take your house. We're raiding, you know, taking your kids. We're, you know, raiding your property. Basically, is what he told them, and that's what trick. I mean, this guy's already kind of like, you know, f the government as it is anyway. So, I mean, I think at this point he was like beyond pissed and livid, and also like probably a little bit nervous. And it turns out it was a total, total like mess up. Like they, they should have never said that. It wasn't allowed, and it was like a. I don't know what's up with this judge. I think um, you and I have given our opinions on judges on the show before in the past. They, <clears throat> but anyways, this was a mistake. So this was kind of mistake number one in this story. We're going to tell it's not great story. Um, is this being right here where he's thinking that he has no choice now. And they, that's when they gave him the court date that he was supposed to show back up. And then that's where we move into him. Not, uh, m- but there was even a mess up on that. I remember hearing, they said that, if it's a January, February, March, he thought he had to be there March 20th, but he, sh- he was supposed to be there February 20th. Like they messed up the date on with the papers that were served. And his lawyer was trying to get a hold of him about this, I guess, but he wasn't responding to his lawyer. And that's the one area where I, I don't know, like I kind of put that on Randy, but like, I, I, I don't know, like I get it, but at the same time, I don't know if he was just so freaked out that if he came off his property, they were going to come in and take everything, but he probably should have just like, had he just reached out to his lawyer, I think he would have had his day in court and I don't think there would have been, he might've served some time. He, yeah. He, he, he would have served some time. For a few um, so after that, right? So like he's he's on his property, he's leaving everybody alone, he's staying out of, and the government more or less was all well and good of ignoring him and leaving it be. Yeah, because he was reported to the the U.S. Marshals right at this point when he missed his court date. Tech, yes, yes, it goes to the marshals. Um, to basically bring him in, but they had more important you know more pressing issues to deal with and he was put on a back burner so left him alone for a while plus he wasn't running they knew where he was at like they said that most of the marshals are like actually hunting people down this guy was like yeah this is where i'm at and they're like okay well here he is (laughs) we'll show up eventually um but nobody nobody during the course of this and i'm I'm pretty sure it was it was a, a year or more after he was supposed to show up for court um Nobody had come out to his property and been like, hey, we have a warrant for your arrest. We're going to take you in. Nothing like that. Because um, well, like you, it was it was put to the U.S. Marshals. Um, so it was their jurisdiction to do that. And they they left it alone for a while. Um, but his wife, his wife. So when he was served that 
the 20th of February, but they messed up. He's thinking he doesn't have to be there till March. I don't know that he would have gone anyways, to be honest, but he's thinking he doesn't have to be there till March. Once he misses his court date, it gets tossed over to the U S federal marshals, which I mean, to me, it's, again, we're going back to a couple at this point in time. All he's done is sawed off two shotguns. Like, let's keep that in mind. It's all the guy has done. Then he misses a court date, which right, wrong. Otherwise you gave him the wrong dates. And now you've got the U S marshals, manhunting this guy to bring him in you've got a subpoena to basically like we're bringing you in one way or the other and his wife they they said that they end up hearing on the radio that he yeah. was being hit they were like hey so-and-so hasn't shown up and there's a manhunt now for him they termed it a manhunt even though they knew where he was at um and that's how he found out he missed his court date and then that's when his wife started writing letters to like the president and stuff. You remember hearing about this? Oh, I totally forgot about this. This is super important. Okay. A little bit of a digress here. I apologize. But going all the way back, literally like back to when he first sawed off these shotguns or maybe even a little bit before, there was a neighbor of his. And I don't remember this guy's name, but they had a disagreement on the property and how it was sold that resulted in that neighbor having to give him back like $5,000 or something like along those lines. That freaking guy wrote the the FBI and told him that um, Brandy uh, was going to kill the president, the governor of, of Idaho, and the Pope. I don't know why the Pope was on the list, but but anyways, this is what the guy told him. So that's how the FBI, FBI even took an interest in him at all. And then it just so happened that that instance of him you know, with the with the, the sawed off shotguns, which okay. To be fair, did does that mean that the FBI asked that informant to do that? Because he literally gets flipped. He found out like a week and a half later. So were they setting Randy up already? To like kind of got some dirt on this guy. We're thinking somebody said something about him. Try to get him to do this. He does it. To be fair, he committed a. I'm going to put quotation marks for those that can't see crime. It is a crime. Don't do it. But crime. Yeah. Do it. <laughs> you will go to you will go to prison for it. Yeah. Um, I'm not having it. But I personally think that it's BS that you cannot do that. I do not <laughs> think trimming the barrel makes that gun any more deadly than with a. In fact, I believe a firearm is probably more deadly with a longer barrel. Yeah, you get better accuracy out of it, but you know, short barrels matter too. Okay. Anyways, so um, point being. I don't remember what I was going with that. Uh, I just wanted to give that a little bit of background. And then there was something important. I, we were, what were we just talking about before we went into the, uh, I know his wife had written a bunch mm. of, but I don't remember who it was to. Right. So his wife literally, I came with this part. This is the part that confused me. I couldn't figure out if it was his wife that wrote the president and some other newspapers and stuff saying they were being harassed, telling them the situation about how they're kind of held up and all this stuff. Cause they felt that they were, there was an injustice taking place and all I know is that his wife was writing a lot of different people. I don't, it didn't go into a ton of detail of, of who all she was sending these to. But I know at some point in time, somehow, supposedly, a death threat from them went to the president, which never actually happened. That letter was never sent. And the freaking, um, the, the letter, the supposed letter was used in them in this particular case when they started forming what they called a psychological profile of them as a family. They, I remember that they sent uh, they sent a bunch of uh, of those letters to the FBI after it became an FBI case, right? Uh, to to form yeah. So 
but it, it didn't actually become an FBI case until after the until after the first day um, when the marshals actually went out to the property. But so I know they had been surveilling them a lot. Um, yep. They had they had video and pictures and all sorts of stuff of them walking around their property and whatnot. Um, and they had they had those letters, like you said. Um, maybe that was before it became an FBI case. I'm sure they had a psych. Yeah, uh, I think it got sent over, but it but it all spurred from that freaking neighbor. They got pissed about the disagreement with the money because he, if any, well, don't hold me to this in case I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure isn't it illegal to make a death threat on the president? Like you can get charged. I mean, yeah. if you make a death threat on anybody, right? But they kind of like. I mean, like you'll probably have some agents show up to your house and ask you, you know, some questions. They're probably, you know, they might even arrest you. You know, it really, it really, I mean, like it's, yes, it's a crime to threaten to kill somebody. Yeah. Cause it's a little different now. And some of you might be going like, if you're say our age, so if you're in your mid to younger twenties or whatever, you might be going, yeah, whatever. Everybody does that now. It's like, it was different, man. Like, and even, even now, wasn't it um what was the name of the actor a couple years back that he made some death threats to Trump and people actually showed up at his house and he was like, dude, it was just a joke. Hey, eh? like it was he's a pretty something I should know this guy's name. He he's um Hispanic actor. He Lopez, something Lopez. Oh, that arrows it down. Good job, William. George Lopez. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just got Oh, uh, well, I'm just saying it's like one of the more freaking popular names, like top five, top three, probably. Anyways, point being, in the 80s, especially, if you have supposedly hard evidence written letter of a death threat, um, it puts you on the it can put you on an FBI watch list. But what they had said was, too, that the Rand or I'm sorry, the Reavers somehow got mistakenly named as what they call them. Uh, they had a different last name. It wasn't Reaver. It wasn't. um it wasn't their name. But anyways, the like that. What's that? I think it was Randall's or something like that. I, I don't that's remember. That's it. No, that's right. But uh, the point being, they said they've literally qualified them on that paper, that initial psychological report that basically the FBI and the ATF was getting, basically had them labeled as like extreme terrorists. You know well, what I mean? I don't think it necessarily labeled them as terrorists so much as it labeled them as they were not going to come peaceably and they they were willing to die yeah. uh, to not be taken. Um, yeah. Which leads us to the, the next cases. Yeah. They were surveilling them. Then they decided to actually put boots on the ground and they actually had U.S. Marshals go out to their property to basically like evaluate. Um, this is August 21st, I believe, right? August 21st, 1992? I don't know dates. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it's August 21st, 1992 was when the marshals themselves are actually on his property. Now, I just want to make a quick point about that. And I'll let you start to tell the story here a little bit. And we probably should have, we should, I feel so unprepared. I'm so sorry, Micah. <laughs> but I feel like, what is the ruling on that? So, if... <sighs> have a warrant for his arrest, they, I believe, would have a yeah. legal his property. They have legal grounds to just enter his property. Legal legal grounds to be out on that property because now, they have a warrant for his arrest. Right. Yeah, see, that, and that was the only question I kind of had is because of the incident we're going to talk about. I, I believe they would have a legal right to be there. Um, however, later on, at the end of the case, uh, we learned that 
maybe there were 12 people that didn't think that they did have a right. <laughs> uh, yeah. So basically they go out there, they get boots on the ground. They're out there surveilling. Um, and I guess they had three dogs, something like that. I don't yeah. know. Agents were actually out there. There were six, six agents, um, broken up in teams of three and you, you basically, it's hard to explain it on the ridge, but they're coming in from two different, they're converging from two different locations and <clears throat> excuse me, they have eyes on the cabin itself and on Randy, um, who was out there with, at this time too, it's important to mention their friend was there. Yeah, uh, I believe his name was, what's that? I believe his name was Charles. Um, he was a young, a young guy, like early twenties. Um, I believe his name was Charles. I don't remember his last name. Kevin, Kevin Harris. That's it. Not Charles. It was, yeah, it was, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Kevin Harris. I had to think about it. So yeah, Kevin Harris was, um, somebody who, like we said, we mentioned they have lived out there for about four to five years, maybe a little bit more. Um, and he kind of looked up to Randy as like a father figure, it sounds like, and he heard what had been going on with them and their situation and it was sympathetic to it. And just, I think, I don't know if he, they knew that anything was coming for him, but that day, but he was on the property when it went down. So, um, and yeah, for his dogs, it's weird because it does mention, it seems like they had multiple, but from, I had three dogs, but. Only one of the dogs really was prominent in any yeah. way. Yeah. Um, but it is also important, as you as you mentioned, uh, it is important to, to tell why um, they were even out on the property. Because it, they were surveilling him, but that was it. They were taking, you know, yeah. they had pictures and, and video and that kind of stuff. Um, but it wasn't until, I think it was a local newspaper or something... Uh, posted something about him thumbing his nose to the government for over a year or whatever, and that prompted the marshals to do something about it. Um, yeah. So, granted, I mean, they, they well, had legal right to arrest him, but they were letting it go up until it got publicly put out there. I was going to say, it was after the local newspaper put it out there that the big newspaper, I think, it, I want to say it was the Washington Post, post the new york times one of the two one of the big news medias actually caught wind of this and they were the ones that put out the big title about him thumbing the nose of the government and making a stand he would not be taking kind of deal and that's when the, that's when the marshals or the government was basically well i guess at this time i should know this too and i don't i should look this up are the u.s marshals their separate entity from the fbi and the atf yes they're separate branch of the government right the U.S. Marshals are only their only job really is like going and getting people that are fed like have federal charges that you know they're they're going nationwide. It's it's a I got you go and pick up people that need to be picked up and bring them back. Um, See, this is why we have Mike on the show. I would like I know stuff about other stuff, like fringe stuff, but I wouldn't like the simple stuff like this. I should I should have paid a little more attention in uh, in that uh, class, I guess. Growing up, what was that class even called? It would have been like what, no uh, homeschooling. <laughs> 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 yeah, I had a class. It was called homeschooling, and yeah, super legit. It's like. <laughs> uh, I 
wanted to say government, but there's a there's a different term for it. There was an actual. I remember my class was called something, and it's, it's there's social studies, which is like social studies, uh, economics, and I don't know the other one. All like all of the government entities. Yeah, stuff, but uh, I don't think you're gonna find anything unless you were specifically looking to look up U.S. Marshals. I don't. I don't think like yeah. I don't, in a high school they're teaching kids what the U.S. Marshals do. I just don't. No. Oh, it is important to mention too. It doesn't make this super clear in the story, so I want to be clear that this is just me making this connection, because it does, at least from what I researched, there's nothing that says this was definitely nighttime, but it did say that the guys were using night vision. So, my assumption is, if you're using night vision, I can nighttime. I believe this was at night. Um, not not the first day. I, oh, I what? Did I get that wrong? No. Um, no, I don't think so, but it's, I mean, it's possible, but I, I don't believe so. Um, okay. I might have that wrong. That could, that could make sense. Then it was the why I was confused on that particular part, but anyways, go ahead. So there's six marshals on the property. They're out there to do like reconnaissance this time. They're not actually out there to arrest them or anything like that. Um, and I, I guess their, their dog had started barking and stuff. And took off. Can I just... Okay, real quick, because I do have a little bit of extra information on that part. It sounded like there was one particular... um, uh, What's the word I'm looking for here? Document that I found on this. That said they literally threw stones at the cabin to test, will the dogs react? Like, what the French... Like, hey, I wonder, if I was to throw a stone at that wall and it made a sound, do you think the dogs would react? I get they're trying to gauge the situation, but, like, I mean, at the same time, too, it's like a, it's a dog. Like, even a human might not know who these people are, but as, as a dog, it does not know. Like, It doesn't know who you are and your, your perceived threat. Like, you're, you're inducing a bad reaction. I just love that these guys were like, Yo, U.S. federal marshals. Let's throw a stone to see what a dog does. Like, what the French? T- what kind of training? <laughs> like, to me, it was just a weird way to handle the situation. But, anyways, they um, throw this stone. Dogs alerted. And now, I, I, I don't believe they were that all that close to the cabin um, no. when this actually happened. But anyway, the the dog takes off, um, and according to Randy um, Weaver. They believe that the dog was taking off after some type of animal, like a bear or something like that. Uh, which, so, sorry to interrupt you again. Which is kind of important. The reason why this is slightly important is to why these guys even pursue the dogs so vehemently. Talking, referring to Sam, his son, and Kevin. What was that guy's name? Wasn't it Kevin Harris? Right? Yeah, Kevin. So why Kevin and Sam even went after the dog is because with them being kind of barricaded up on the the hilltop, not going out, they did say they were low on meat. So they were hoping that the dog had perhaps spotted something they could shoot to, you know, basically put food on the table. That was his mindset, at least for Kevin and Sam running after it. Well, um, they all three grabbed rifles and ran after the dog. Um, Sam and Kevin. Uh, now, Sam is, I, I'm not 100% certain. 14 at the time. Um, but they, they both, I, I don't know if it was just because he was tired or, or if he intentionally split up with them. But uh, I know Randy was separate from Sam and Kevin. 
Yeah, he actually diverged in a different direction. He even said it when it, like, some of the stuff we were looking up. He was like, I'm too old. You know, I was too old for that. I wasn't going to go chasing off a dog in the bush in case it was nothing, right? He was like, I'm just going to walk down the path, circle down to where it's heading. And then, you know, so yes, he did go a separate direction, which just so happened to be literally in the direction of, I guess we could say, the second squad. It's not a squad. The second group of marshals. Um, he ran into them first, I believe, right? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, because I, that marshal literally, would, I, the one marshal I think said something along the lines of like freeze weaver or something like that, and you know, the, and the other one said this is you know declared who he was, U.S. marshal, whatever, and he was like basically said, well, politely said, screw you, <laughs> started running, started started going back to his house, yeah, yeah, um, in the in the same instance, I don't know exactly what prompted the shooting to start. But I do know the dog ended up getting shot by the, the marshals. Um, yeah. And, and it's conflicting, conflicting reports on that particular part right there. Because as Randy turns, you know, basically saying F you to those guys, starts running back for his cabin. He starts yelling to the boys, it's a trap. It's a booby trap. Get back to the cabin, right? And then that's when, from his point of view, so from Randy's point of view, he hears one single gunshot and his dog yelping. Which, what was the name of their dog? I know it gave the name on there, I thought. Not that it really matters, but, I mean, if we're putting a name with it, I guess. Wasn't it, like, Striker or something like that? Uh, Not that it ma- I know, I, I'm pulling up facts that don't really matter. <laughs> uh, the dog gets shot. A firefight breaks out between Sam, Kevin, and these other marshals. Um, and I believe, so... Uh, Randy gets back to his house, and I I believe Kevin is not far behind him. It was Straker, by the way. Just want to put that out there. It was Straker, Straker the Yellow Lab. Yeah. Um. And obviously, uh, he didn't come back with Sam. So they ask him, you know, like what happened with Sam? Where is he? Da 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 da. And Kevin tells them that Sam was shot and he's dead. Um, so during the firefight, Sam, the 14 year old son and a U.S. marshal I don't know what his name was. William, uh, his name yeah. ended up passing away, um, as a result of the firefight. Yeah. William Francis Deegan. Um, and, and we're going to break this particular, because this is crucial. This is where obviously anytime you have loss of life anyways, that's, that's a major event, but this really uh sets the scene for the rest of how this is going to go um and we're going to come back to this particular instance and break it down a little more but for right now we'll leave it as to what mike has just said basically a dead dog sam his 14 year old son is is dead and um a u.s marshal at this time is fatally wounded i don't think he died instantly but he was fatally wounded and this is the only part where it gets weird is because these we'll call them the second little group or group two that initially encountered Randy separate. And I don't know if these marshals, like granted, nobody had cell phones since the eighties and where they were at, they would have gotten reception, but you would have thought they had like radios or something to communicate with each other. But they, all they're hearing is gunfire, right? So you got a picture like in their scene, they haven't done anything and they're hearing gunfire and they get back to town or they made it out to some little town. They find somewhere radio back to the FBI we need help. I've got. It was actually they got down to 
a phone and they called 911. Oh, that's right. And, yeah, they literally called 911. That's uh, crazy. Officer down and that they were pinned down and that there was a firefight and um, specifically mentioning that they, you know, they they had other officers out there yeah. down. And so, he, so here's the part that threw me off. Sorry to interrupt you again, but in that saying, like specifically saying, we've got officers pinned down. I've got to go back in. Didn't he mention that an officer was dead at that time? Yeah, he mentioned that. So how the French toast did he know that an officer was dead, and not? Uh, this is where I was confused on the story. Second group. I think he was. He had left, and he was. He was involved in the firefight. I believe. Okay. But, now, hmm. wait. He called nine one one, and he he expressed that, and then, and I I heard the recording of of the way, and he sounds very frantic. And yeah, to very be fair. Concerned. Um, I mean, obviously, one of his, co- you know, one of his coworkers just got shot, killed. I mean, I'm sure you would be as well. Yeah, but he he was very very adamant that. They were pinned down, and he had to get back out there. Um, so this prompted, since a U.S. marshal had been killed, it prompted it to become um, an FBI case. So the FBI immediately gets involved. Um, and at this at this point, it's like open war, right? It's just like if, if an officer, anybody on any team, if someone like if you're playing sports, you're playing football, and one of your teammates takes a bad, dirty hit. You get pissed, right? Like you're, you know what I mean? Like it's like now, okay, it's game on. And so for somebody to be killed, and this is where we're gonna go back to it a little bit and break it down again. It seems to be mixed reports. They at this time don't think anybody's died on the Weavers' part. Like they don't think anything's happened to their family. So for them, they're just like, well, you freaking killed one of our guys. Let's it's freaking war now, you know? Um, and then I guess the, the director and somebody else, part of the FBI, um, was looking through and, and based on, you know, like the profile and that kind of stuff that they already had on the Weavers, decided that they were going to alter the way that um, they operated on this mission, right? So mm. like, I agents were only supposed to fire back to defend themselves, not in any sort of offensive manner, like pre- um, like you talking someone before they strike you, right? You're uh, talking about prior, right? Like the the incident that just happened that was the pretenses they were operating under, right? Right, they were operating under. Um, these are people that aren't going to come quietly. They're going to fight to the death, and uh, they basically drew up and said uh, that any uh, adult male scene with a fire uh, firearm should and could be shot on site. Um, and I mean, that, that goes against kind of the whole idea of American law enforcement. And, and, and to add to that, they freaking knew because they had been documenting them. They knew that nobody ever left the cabin without a weapon on them. They knew that they were at all times carrying a weapon. But they did say that if once the surrender or it was weird how they worded it because they were like, once the surrender order is given, if they don't surrender, you know, you are you have permission to shoot and should shoot. That was even worded in there. But then on the flip side of that, right after that, it goes, um, yeah, if you see any male with any weapon on them, freaking shoot them. Like, go ahead. It was very weird how it was worded. Like, it wasn't 
completely clean cut, dry and clear because even it sounded like some of the as we're going to get into this, as people converge, because I could be wrong, but I thought it said within the next couple of days, like a couple hundred people between the ATF, the FBI, and obviously supporters from either side showing up. Even the people that were, it, I guess you could say, forming the perimeter were not comfortable with these these grounds that, like you said, these two gentlemen on the flight plane or on the plane ride over basically drew this up, which was completely in my opinion like you're saying unconstitutional it, it, they said it was it had never been done this way before ever yeah it wasn't something they're supposed to be doing and they decided to do it um and like you said i mean like there was there was literally like uh an army encampment outside of uh, freaking rolled up with a tank well they didn't have tanks they had apc or ap I, I apologize yes thank you sorry so I, I know it was weird because they said that they said APC, but then like people were calling it a tank when I was the stuff we were looking up. But I mean, your average your average person probably looks at that and says it's a tank, but I mean it looks like a tank without a turret, more or less. Um, yeah, and it's just meant for hauling people and giving them more armor than what you can wear on your body. Um, but anyway, the FBI gets involved in this and. They, they post snipers out all over the place um, to basically watch the cabin. And like you said, they were instructed to shoot any adult male with a firearm on them. Uh, which Kevin and uh, Randy both meet that description. Um, yeah. I guess uh, this, I believe it was the same night that the shooting happened um, mm-hmm. that Randy went out and got Sam and they brought him to, they cleaned him up and they, they put him in uh, a shed that they had on the property. Oh yeah. Okay. Kind of important to mention. I know we're di- I keep digressing a little bit, but at this point in time too, we got to keep in mind, uh, Vicky had just had their fourth child, like literally 10 months earlier in that yeah. same shed. Yeah. What'd they call their daughter? Oh it my goodness. Name. I don't, it was it, some really, Ibitha odd. or Libitha, Libitha or something. I don't remember it off the top of my head, but it was it was a unique name. I'll put it that way. Um, but yeah, that literally that same shed she'd had the baby in is now where they're laying their their fourteen year old son. And I'll admit, like I, I like when watching this and reading on some of it, I don't know. Maybe it's, I don't know if I just gotten like extra sensitive because I have kids now or what. But like that freaking part was hard because it's and this could go either way. You could you could say that the government's in their rights at this point in time because they're legally following grounds and following up the way they should. And it, perhaps this was an accident that this happened with the boy the way it did, but like, for God's sake, and, and obviously an office or, you know, a U.S. Marshal died too. That it's just, I don't know. I just, that whole idea of like having to go back down to your woods and then pull your, your, your baby out and clean them up and put them in the, the barn. Like that, that sucks. That part. I think, uh, I think at that point too, I, I think you, if you weren't really afraid that you were going to get shot anyways, you might not even care at this point. And uh, you're certainly going to be at least apprehensive about anybody at all trying to come out there and, and talk with you. You're probably you're going to now be on a shoot first, ask questions later kind of basis. I, I would I would assume, you know. Um, but anyways, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I, I apologize. No, I mean, we're both supposed to kind of be telling them. yeah i know i guess <laughs> so um, like like micah said he, he he cleans up they clean up sam and they uh the best they can and they put him in in their little uh, uh what do they call it like a little barn shed thing off I the think side we lost there. william 
Oh, I'm here. Or was it me that we lost? I mean, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Uh, yeah, but you're like on on this computer. You froze up for a second. I, I don't know if you were. Oh, I don't know what happened. Okay, uh, well, as long as we're back, that's probably going to remain in there. That's uh, so. Like I was saying, they clean up Sam. They put him in their their little like green shed or their barn, whatever you want to call. It. It's just a small thing off to the side there, and um, it. I really should have written this guy's name down because he was the one guy that out of this whole thing was like, he was the director for the, he was like, um, uh, he was, oh my goodness, what is it called? The FB, uh, the HRT or whatever it's called. He was the head, like the hostage rescue team negotiator. That was part of the FBI that was like top echelon of, uh, Crap went south. We bring these guys in, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, this is why the snipers are there. This is, they said these guys could hit a freaking dime at 200 meters away. Like these were, this was not like some little like yeah they might hit their t-. like these guys were like this was the real deal, right? And um, he even said leaving his his wife, I guess, flying out. They were telling him to head out there. He he felt that something was off with this whole situation. He felt that it was going to be bad. And then he shows up and he, this is the negotiator that I'm speaking about right now. You know, he shows up and he, uh, he was the, I want to say he was the ATF negotiator though, not the FBI negotiator. Both of them felt that the situation was a bit messed up, but anyways, point being, you know, they basically, have set up a perimeter. They now have their information, except you did bring to the point. Wasn't there like six guys like on the squad for the FBI? They were like, we're not abiding by these rules. Right. I thought they, they that was mentioned even on the first couple of nights there. Uh, I'm not sure on that one. Um, I do know that um, one of the, the I, I, I watched uh, the interview with the, the one guy that was a sniper and he said that, um, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, when he, that was what he was told, basically. Yeah, the snipers. Yeah. Orders. And so he believed that this was you know, a very deadly situation and that was what was required of him. Um, yeah. And to be fair, you know, if you're a sniper, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I guess I can't. I don't get to. I don't get to give an educated opinion about it, but I'll give my opinion. I don't think you have. I don't think you get the luxury of weighing much out besides the orders you're given. Like you're counted on to take a shot. If you need to take a shot, you know what I mean? I don't think you get to sit there and weigh out this situation more than the orders you're given. Whether or not those orders that you received are legitimate for the scenario you're in so much as it is for you to follow those. Oh, but okay. So really quickly too, guys, um, I just want to give a little bit of background before we get into really quickly here, the rest of the story, um, at this point in time now with them rolling out the, uh, crap, what was the thing called? It wasn't a tank. It was a, what is it called? Armored personnel carrier. Thank you. With them rolling that out, there were people gathering at the bottom of the ridge now, like in the town. People are getting pissed off because they know they already kind of knew that this has been going on for the past year and whatever. And so now you're getting like people are lining up. At one point, I think it was the second night, the there was a group of um, 
uh, like Nazi supporters or skinheads, I guess you could call them, that literally tried to drive through the barrier, like tried to get weapons up to him. Um, so there was there was some serious um, boiling points down at the bottom of this ridge where the FBI and everybody had set up. Tensions were running super high. It was now national news because obviously, you know, an F- at this time, again, you're still reporting only that an FBI agent has been killed or U.S. Marshal, excuse me. Um, and so there is a lot of tension at the bottom of this ridge right now. They're wanting to know why there's so many. I mean, because I could be wrong again, Micah, but didn't it say a couple hundred people involved from the as far as federal like FBI and ATF and all that? Yeah, I'm pretty sure there was, you know, there was there was a, at least well over 100 um, involved. They had helicopters out there, APCs, like they were literally like, and they had like clearings where they had set up like basically like barrack. It was like a, it was like an army encampment. It, exactly, it legitimately looked like they set up camp. Like, all right, here's where we're gonna stand our ground, and like, um, it wasn't good. Um, but anyways, I can't remember if it was the second or third night, whatever night it was. I think this is the hey, everything happened in in the first second. Yeah, so the second night there of the FBI or the the head and those guys writing up that new draft of rules of engagement, basically shoot on sight, in my opinion, um, that they try to engage or they, um, excuse me, they're in position. The snipers were um, watching the the cabin, and I guess um, Randy, Kevin, and his daughter Sarah go out to see Sam. Um, which I'm, uh, again, like I said, is being a father. And I think anybody who's had a kid, if you've lost your kid, uh, God's sake, I mean, I, I have never endured that and hope to never, ever have to endure that. But I'm sure that that is a beyond traumatizing thing to go through. And so him and his, uh, like I said, daughter and, and their friend Kevin are going out to see Sam. And it's, uh, Randy says, as he reaches up, you know, I got a latch on the shed as he goes to flip open the top latch. Um, he gets shot and was it the was arm it sh- shoulder? Yep. So a sniper takes the shot, um, hits him in the shoulder and miraculously enough, doesn't, I don't know how that didn't just not, I mean, maybe it did knock him right to the ground, but I, it, it doesn't just drop him. He's able to start running Well, him and his daughter, Sarah and Kevin all line up, excuse me, to start running for the door, which his wife, Vicky is now opening. His wife, Vicky, is holding their daughter, which I can't pronounce her name, but she's 10 months old. She's holding her. They open the door and, you know, he said just, you know, in a straight line himself, Sarah and Kevin runs the door and they hear one more shot. And at this point is where I think probably the most traumatic thing in the whole story is like mother trucker, like God's sake, because they end up shooting the the wife, Vicky, in the in the head. And, and depending on which report you go with her story, but it sounds like Sarah basically said that like her brains sprayed everywhere. Um, and that same bullet that goes through, uh, Vicky hits Kevin, I believe in his arm. It was like, it said it messed his arm up pretty bad and his shoulder or something like that, or down into his side a little bit. Like it went through Vicky's head through Kevin's arm and into his side. I think a little bit, it said something like that. Um, and then the doors basically slammed shut, I guess, at this point. But she's literally shot dead. You know, I, I'm hoping died uh, in, instantly, uh, but holding their baby. I mean, that's uh, I, I don't know that that part. I think bothered me the most, and I, I I get too that like these guys were taking their shots, and and maybe was this when they were wearing the night vision? Did I forget that part? By the way, 
maybe they were wearing that night vision in that first engagement. I don't know. It's possible. Uh, well, anyway, in, either way, this is now the situation. So now, not only has his son Sam been killed, now his wife is dead. Literally in the middle of their house, blood everywhere. He's been shot. Kevin's been shot, and um, I, I from what he basically said at that point, his mindset was, "I just wanted them to come through the door so I could take as many of them with me as I could." Um, and I, I don't know that I blame the guy at that point because, like, I, 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 mean, I don't know where would your mind be on that at that you know at that point. Uh, I mean, I don't far <sighs> off of the whole like they intend on killing us all. Um, cause I mean, you don't, you don't know if they were intentionally aiming for her or not. Um, you know, no. maybe they were, maybe they were intending to shoot everybody. Um, so I mean, that would, that would be pretty sick. I mean, that would be pretty traumatic. Um, yeah, but I, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't really want to think about it either, though. No, yeah, I, I, and that's I guess when we put out the warning about it, you know, in case anybody's bothered, you know, or has experienced loss or anything like that. That's why I put that out there initially. But, um, yeah, that is definitely. I know that was part that bothered me in that whole story. I mean, anybody at both sides getting hurt, but like, God's sake, like, literally the whole thing you were trying to prevent. Like, they drew up these weird rules that basically was like shoot on sight to the point of removing. Vicky and his daughter from like, are we going to try and keep them safe from the situation? Because technically none of that, nobody in his family, nobody at all at this point is even convicted of anything, just him and everybody but him outside of being shot in the arm at this point is getting either killed or injured. Add that he also has not been convicted. True. Just failed to show up for court. Correct. Uh, So technically and he was pleading not guilty to this he denied selling the shotguns i mean i feel like it's probably pretty hard to deny that when you sold them <laughs> to a federal agent but uh he was pleading uh, not guilty to it yeah and he i mean he had not been convicted on on the charge yet so right. this is someone who solely did not show up to a court and now there's two people dead two other people shot um you know it it just it's it's completely pointless i I have to say too and i i didn't get to watch the interviews with the the sniper and all that like okay the first shot now you did so was it just one sniper that took shots or were there multiple snipers that took shots was it just the one right if there was multiple snipers because i don't well i know there was multiple i know i watched with the sniper um he said he would have taken a shot, but he did not have any. What he saw was people going from tree to tree, and he was not able to get a shot. Um, so, 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 sounds I, like it just one guy took shots. Two. Two shots. Two shots. But I'm saying, was it two it snipers or just one? Sniper. I don't know. But gotcha. there were at least two snipers out there. Well, I know that from, I, I like I said, the first shot... Okay, again, I forget how far away this guy was. I want to say he was a long ways away. It was quite a shot. But the fact that he kind of missed, like, that's my thing, too, is, like, was he shooting to just maim, you know, him on that first shot? Or did he just miss? You know, why did he only hit him in the shoulder? 
And then um, if these guys were hitting dimes at 200 meters. And then um, the second part would be, at this point in time, he, he knew, I think he knew that he hit Randy, and that was reported, but nothing outside of that was reported. I think it was reported that I hit him in the arm and second shot missed. Because they still, at the t- at this time... Not aware of Vicky's uh, being dead, or right. being dead, um, for at least several days. I was to say, I believe this was the end of night two this takes place. Day three, they roll, they decided they're going to storm him, right? They rolled one of their, uh, I'm just going to call it a tank, because I keep forgetting what the mother trucker's called, a armored piece, is it APC or whatever it's called, APC? Yeah, and they were they were leveling some of the buildings and stuff <laughs> there. Yeah, because he said, because they were, you know, in their, you know, little built house there, he he told his family or you know his daughter daughters i guess and his friend like they're gonna push this cabin off the mountain like he he felt that that's what they were gonna do and they got so freaking close that they were literally up to the little shed that him and his that his wife had just had the baby in you know a couple months you know 10 months earlier and for whatever reason it says that they stopped they didn't give a lot of detail on that it said that the one officer stopped got out and specifically opened that door and that's when they found sam uh, dead who had been dead at this point in time about two days I believe it said two to three days I think it was two days um, I, that part kind of struck me too even though this is a big turning point in the case because now all of a sudden they're like oh holy crap there's a dead kid now in this and it kind of shifted the paradigm plus the freaking shock wave that went across the nation over this that like it quickly spread out and people at the bottom of the the ridge are getting really fired up i seen some of the footage and stuff they were showing kids like wearing little signs that said will i be next and stuff with like a crosshairs on them and um it the same day what's weird is the same day that this is happening that they find him i think it was either that night or the next morning the uh the marshal that had been killed william he's there his funeral's happening so like it's just a weird case at this moment in time where there's a lot of what was thought to be only lost on the government side is now turning into oh maybe this isn't what we thought and maybe we've messed up and uh but it did you remember did they pull out at that point once they find his son dead or is that when they started trying to communicate i believe so and then they they had a robot that was supposed to deliver a phone now there was um let's talk about that robot for a second It's what was called um, an overlook that this robot had a 12-gauge shotgun attached to it. Um, um, might we mention a sawed-off shotgun attached to it? It's, it's legal. The government owns it. Oh, That's my God. It's legal. Sorry. Um, hey, did you but- saw off two shotguns? Not cool, bro. That's our move. How dare you ever try to... <laughs> God, I so, couldn't help. Sorry, I just I couldn't help when I heard that part when they said that the, the guy it was that ends up that you're going to bring up in a second here. Bo shows up and when he mentioned that 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 sucker had a sawed off shotgun on it, I was like, "Are you freaking kidding me? You're literally sitting there doing the thing that this guy supposedly has all these charges now held against him over." Kind of what got the ball rolling was sawing off two shotguns. Oh my god. Okay, sorry. Continue. Had a phone. Sorry, Wally was packing heat, ready to rock and roll. Okay, 
yeah, Wally was packing heat um, and was supposed to be there to deliver a phone. And well, obviously, they, they didn't come out to get the phone. They didn't like they no longer had any interest in. Ooh, really? And no interest in opening doors. Um, do you honest question? And this will be my last interruption, I promise, I think. Um, do you think that had he tried to open that door, if Randy had tried to open the door to, to answer the phone, do you think it would be like, boom? Like, if he had a I, firearm? Possibly. 100%. I, I, I mean, I'm telling you, thank God that didn't happen. But I, like, in the back of my head, when they mentioned it at first, because I didn't know how the story turned out, never heard of it. So when I was seeing this, he was like, yeah, it had a sawed off 12 gauge shotgun. I was like, Oh my God, they're going to shoot him with a sawed off. Like, I literally thought Wally was about to, like, you know, do you feel lucky, punk? Like, I thought that's what was going to happen. Anyways, continue. Sorry. Um, so clearly they basically just, like, ignore this robot. Um, and they're still trying to get a, get a hold of them to get them to surrender and whatnot. Um, and then, like you said, it was uh, a, a guy by the name Bo who was. Um, well, they call him a far extreme right radical. Um, he represented like lost soldiers, like, uh, uh like the, um, like missing in action and stuff. But he, he, he also ran for governor, I think there as well. And presidential, he ran in two, oops, I think it was Bush senior. When Bush senior was running, he was a third party candidate <laughs> for president. Anyways. Yes. So go ahead, Bo. Sorry. Yeah, I know. I know. He, I believe he was running f- like for governor or something during this, or or it was mm-hmm. just bef- you know just before he started running. I don't remember exactly, but um, I know he decided that he he was sympathetic to their cause of you know government overreach and and whatnot. So he decided that he wanted to try to talk to them, and I guess they had uh, one of their friends also. I don't remember what her name was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't remember off the top of my head either. For some reason, um, the FBI allowed them to go well, to the cabin. Real quick, too, for those of you, I just want to, because you, we're going to get the raw, raw truth here, because this is America. All right. So anyways, um, so if you watch the show Waco right now, which we just started today on Netflix, I recommend you go watch it, Mike. And if you guys are listening, go check it out. Looks to be pretty good so far. They cover Ruby Ridge in the beginning, which was funny because I had already kind of done all this other stuff. Like this background research, and then like that whole first episode of Waco, kind of not in great depth, but covers Ruby Ridge. Totally wrong. They make it out like this guy Bo showing up was like, oh, I don't know if I like. Uh, do you guys want me? Like, why am I here? Like, making out like the FBI brought him in to like, we need you to go talk to this guy because he'll listen to you. That's bullcrap. This guy freaking showed up, basically served citizens arrest on like four of the people operating there. Yeah, he served citi- he served a citizens arrest. Uh, <laughs> To the governor, <laughs> he literally walked up, was like, "Boom, in my balls, right there, son, suck it," and like was like came in and was like, "This is freaking America," and was pissed off. I just wanted to make that clear. If you watch Waco and it makes him out to be like this little, like, yeah, I don't know, that was not. There's real footage of this guy showing up, literally in a tank, like or not a tank, but a you know a vehicle, and like I'm just saying the way they portrayed him on Waco or the beginning of that first episode versus the reality of what happened. That pisses me off. I get artistic licensing, but for God's sake, like I, I don't know. It kind of pisses me off. You should stick to the, the truth. What happened? Somewhat accurate. Um, 
But anyway, the the FBI allows uh, him and and a friend of the families to go through and to bring them um, some different supplies. I think they I think they brought them some food or something like that. Well, at this time too, because I don't think he showed up until like day six, six or seven. But talking about Bo, so prior to this, Vicky's I think killed other night two or day three somewhere right in there i think night two um from two to five so for these three to four days they're still trying to communicate them over a blowhorn and they're specifically talking to vicky because they nobody knew she was dead so like i remember sarah said that she felt like they were being taunted because they were talking to her like don't you want to come out and have pancakes with your kids and like you know you can end this come on out and um so at this point in time i just want to point out that like when once Bo shows up, I don't think her friend went up right away first. I think it was just Bo. Bo went up to talk to Randy, and I think it was like day six or seven, somewhere in there. You might be right about that, yeah. And then uh, that's when Randy told Bo that Vicky was dead, and that's when things got real bad at the bottom of the ridge. Like, <laughs> at least the the live footage you can look up live footage of it. It looked like. There were people saying we're going to war. Like there were people going, we're going to war. You can hear some people be like, no, we're not. But there were definitely those that were like, we're freaking going to war. I mean, I mean, it was upsetting. Like even watching it, I was like, God's sake. Like it was just like you talk about a, a, a massive amount of miscommunications and a chain reaction that was just awful. Um, this is it. This is the epitome of I don't even know. I continue, though. So, yes. Visions. Um <sighs> So anyway, r- regardless, uh, Bo Bo went up there uh, to kind of try to get him to surrender uh, peaceably and not, you know, end up dead. Uh, and then he he told him that you know his wife had been shot um, and whatnot. And I believe after that, then they allowed the friend to come up there and they brought them su- supplies and stuff like that because I mean, you know, they they had just found out that. They had killed his wife and these kids' mother. Um, and they had a 10-month-old, like you mentioned, that they had to take care of and, and whatnot. Um, so I, I believe they ended up bringing them supplies, if, I, if, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And they had already they had, they had cut off the water to the cabin. I know that. Which is funny that it mentions that because, like, <clears throat> excuse me, they talked about how when they first moved it, maybe it was just meant when they first moved there, they didn't have running water, but I, I did think it was funny too. They were like, yeah, we cut off the water. I'm like, what did you cut off the creek? What'd you do? Like, I mean, <laughs> but anyways, yeah, go He keep going. I'm sorry. Or whatever. But, um, I know they cut off, they cut the running water and they had cut electricity. Um, and the friend, I don't know. It's not really relevant to the overreach portion. Um, but I guess, you know, it, it was pretty traumatic for the kids. I mean, there was blood everywhere um, from uh, their mother being shot, and she wanted to clean it up. And um, so, I guess they they allowed her to take a couple five gallon buckets up there, and she yeah. cleaned up. That um, was the very end. That was once they were out of the cabin. I don't believe so. I... <sighs> that was. Just before they had actually, maybe you're right. Maybe because when she went in is when they also let he mentioned that Harris, Kevin Harris, was in pretty bad shape. Yeah, and, and they allowed him. If Kevin Harris dies in this cabin, that 
any jury would uh, hold him accountable for that death and would fry him basically um, and that he would do that himself. So he convinced him to allow Kevin to leave and, and get medical attention and that kind of stuff to prevent him from dying. Um, and it was shortly after that. I mean, the, they were pretty uneventful days. Uh, yeah. All couple days. Um, yeah. The only casualties that occur in the first two days, I actually just noticed that. So first two days are the only time casualties actually took place. Um, pretty uneventful um, from, you know, moving forward on that. But uh, regardless, on the on the 11th day, which is actually when it ended, um, Bo was basically told he had that uh, that morning to convince him to surrender or they were going to um, have to go in to the house and take them forcibly. Uh, which most likely result in, you know, at least uh, Randy dying and possibly some, you know, uh, FBI agents um, perishing and in in, in maybe the kids possibly getting hurt in the process. So obviously he didn't want that to happen. And he went up there. Um, I guess it, it sounded like Randy had his mind made up. He was not surrendering. Yeah. He had fully intended on... Um, you know, like he said, was waiting for people to come through the door to kill as many of them as, as he could before he died. Um, yeah. Somehow Bo convinced him. Uh, and I, I think, it, no, 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 it, he, he had talked to him about that the night before. Um, and he, he said that they had, uh, he had been up all night with the kids praying about it and that they were not going to surrender. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I forgot about that. I'm not quite sure what. I don't remember what changed his mind. He told him. He said they're gonna they're gonna roll like they're gonna push you off the cliff. They're gonna drive a tent, you know, an APC through your, you know, they're gonna run through your house one way or the other. You're gonna, you know, basically like don't do this to the kids. He told him. He said um, they're gonna pay for this. He said because if you die, if you end up dying, this story doesn't happen. You live. You tell the story, that's going to be your revenge. Because he said, if you die, dead men don't tell tales, basically. And I, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he ended up telling him. That you living is going to be your revenge because this story needs to come out. And I'm gonna, we're going to make them pay. Um, and he agreed to that. And uh, I, I think he even... Cr- think what? he said something about, um, at the time, he was thinking that that, you know, that was... Obviously, that's that's our last opportunity to make it out of this uh, alive, and it wasn't gonna, you know. So, ultimately, he decided to surrender, and they ended up not being shot when they left the cabin. Um, but from there, I guess Kevin and Randy both got prosecuted for yeah. uh, multiple offenses, for the marshal's death. Um, I'm sure they probably had some charges based on Sam dying. Well, as I was going to say, it says right here, it says Weaver and Harris were subsequently arraigned on a variety of federal criminal charges, including first degree murder for the death of Deegan, which was the U S marshal Harris, which was with Sam when the shooting took place, uh, was acquitted of all charges. And Weaver was subsequently acquitted of all charges, except for the original bail condition violation for the arm charges. And for having missed his original court date, 
He was fined $10,000 and sentenced to 18 months in prison, credited with the time served plus an additional three months, then released. Yeah, I believe (sighs) um, after this incident, he only served six months uh, and was released. Um, But I I would say for, for a jury on two separate accounts, two separate juries to acquit people of all criminal charges based on this there's got to be some significant um some some significant uh miscalculations on the government's part um that were very significant to why this happened and could have prevented this from happening for two separate juries to both agree that these people should not be held accountable for the death of a federal agent. Um, yeah. Well, and it's funny, we'll tie out real quick. Let's tie out what happened and then we'll revisit some closing thoughts. But uh, long story short from this happening, them being acquitted, like you're talking about what ended up happening. I'm not going to read everything that it, it mentions as far as like exactly how the court cases went, but there was basically a huge, massive investigation on this for a long time, including the sniper that took the shot that killed um, Vicky, he was under major scrutiny. Um, but this was definitely used as you're saying as a massive learning curve, basically to be like, guys, this could never happen again. Um, and it says both the Weaver family and the Harris brought civil suits against the government over the events of the firefight and siege. The Weavers winning a combined out of court settlement in August, 1995, so what, three years later, of $3.1 million, and Harris being awarded after persistent appeals a 380000 settlement in September 2000. So it took him almost eight years to get $380,000. Um, but anyways, you, I just wanted to close that out as far as kind of what, you know, to answer public questions. Go ahead. There was that. There was also uh, um, a couple high up FBI agents that got demoted. Yeah. Uh, there was uh, at least one or two that got fired, and there was one that actually got put uh, in jail um, over the incident. There was also um, evidence that said that the FBI had screwed around with evidence and now stuff that- to, um, you know, portray certain things in in the court. Not yeah, during this, but in court, um, they had tried to basically skew evidence to make it look certain ways uh, to try to convict. Uh, I don't know if it was both Kevin and Randy, um, but at least with Randy, they had tried screwing around with evidence to convict him of um, crimes. I'm sure it had a lot to do with, you know, the fact that uh, they had a dead marshal and they wanted to make sure that somebody got put away for that. Uh, but, but you can't screw around with the evidence. Right. So let's speak to that. Two quick points we'll make before we get out of here. I can we got to go. Um, number one that you brought up with the lady, and I can't remember her name, that went up with Bo as they were brought out, which Bo even said that bringing the daughter and them out, he made sure he actually held them hand in hand, you know, to make sure. Because even at that point, he was still kind of like, you know, but to make sure they weren't going to be shot. But he said the fact that they were kind of relieved to see their faces being kind of like, oh my gosh, we may not be shot leaving here was messed up. Um, he goes, you should never have to feel that in America, right? Um, but the, the 
point being of the lady, the FBI giving her the water to then wash the, as a crime scene. Like the fact that they let her go in and do that and get provided her with the water because she told them that they don't have any running water and they provided her with water to clean up. I, I mean, again, I'm not saying it changes what happens. We kind of wasn't, you know, a big cover up. They did the, you know, Randy and his daughter, Sarah said what happened, but like that seems messed up. And then we go back to the initial shooting. So this is the only thing I kind of want to cover before we get out of here tonight. So let's go back to what's kind of spurred this all with the marshals being on the property. Do you think that this is just a serious, unfortunate, um, I just used the wrong word first. Is it basically an unfortunate series of events? Uh, no, I think this is a series of terrible decisions made on multiple parties accounts. Yeah. I, I think specifically though, with the, uh, instance where the shooting takes place on the property, I view it two ways. I do view it from the marshal's point of view, right? This is their job. They've got a guy to get. I understand that. So I'm not knocking that because they have a hard job okay they they face extremely dangerous some of the most dangerous criminals in the world that's their job they hunt them okay but on the flip side of that yes you are legally on his property and i get that you have a warrant for his arrest so you legally could be on his property but you have to understand from and the report that they gave at the end too which their report was that the dog leapt out to attack them, they shot it, and that Sam and Her- and Sam and Kevin opened fire on them, so that they returned fire while retreating. Upon forensic evidence, they went and researched. Oh, and, and they said something about being pinned down. So the the original FBI guy, the uh, ATF one, he was saying that he was like, we were thinking like we would find like two hundred shell casings, right? Pinned down, meaning like you've been pinned down for hours. Upon the forensics being there, they only found a total of 19 shell casings from everybody combined. But what they did find is the one office or one marshal, and I forget his name, he fired seven and he was not retreating. His were actually him. This is from forensic. This isn't Sam or Kevin saying that, oh, he pursued us. This is what they produced as evidence saying that this indicates he was moving forward while firing. Based on the, I don't know how they knew that based on maybe on the clip, like where the bolt, I don't know how they could really lay that out. It's a magazine. Magazine. Apologize. Thank you, Micah. Um, So anyways, point being, their story definitely differed from that of what Kevin was able to give. Because obviously Sam wasn't able to give a story. But Kevin basically had said that the dog leapt forward towards them, yes, but in a playful manner. Now... Whether that's right or wrong, I don't know. I don't know how friendly this dog was. Maybe he was super happy to see him. I don't know. But I also get, too, that if you're this marshal and this dog's leaping forward at you, playful or not, I, I don't know. He's giving away your position. I mean, people and law, law enforcement, I'm not knocking law enforcement here, so don't take it that way. But law enforcement has definitely put animals down for less, I think, sometimes. Um, so I don't know. But I will say. The fact that Sam, they showed that Sam was shot in the back. So he was not facing them when shot. He was retreating. We don't know specifically. I don't think it even said who specifically shot and killed William. I don't know if they were able to produce evidence on that, if it was Kevin or Sam who shot him. But in my mind, I see this as they were chasing the dog 
and from Sam's point of view, all of a sudden his dog leaps towards somebody. That person wearing camo shoots and kills his dog. Kevin even said, and so did the guys, they all agreed on this, that Sam was like, called him an SOB and was like, you shot my dog, shoots at them. So Sam did open fire. But at Sam's point of view too at this time, even though he might have known his dad was in trouble with the law and all that, he doesn't know who these people are. They're on his property and you just shot and killed my dog. Like if somebody just shot and killed my dog in my backyard right now, I might, and you know what I mean? Like I, I, I kind of just feel like this was just super unfortunate all around. Uh, I don't know what's your take on that. I mean, uh, I, I think it is. I think it, like, I understand the point of unless, unless they immediately identified themselves, um, and if they identified themselves as marshals and then he proceeded to shoot at them after that, um, you know, maybe maybe Sam's definitely in the wrong. But like you said, if they don't have anything that identifies them and they just shot, so they're armed, they just shot your, your animal, you don't know who they are and they're on your property. Um, and logically... Um from being hurt so i don't know if you heard any of that you were frozen but yeah i know uh, i heard you say logically i i held really still so if it if it froze i didn't move i was like i'm not moving (laughs) (laughs) um so like okay and my my first thing on it the thing that i think is the largest mistake is that Instead of going to his freaking door and being like, knock, knock, hi, are you Randall Weaver? And he says, yes. And you're like, you're under arrest. You need to come <laughs> with us. You decide to poke around his property unannounced and shoot his dog because it comes after you. Like, that's that's a huge, yeah. like... I think that's significant. Uh, me too. Yes. I, I think, thank God, to me, it sounds like from this incident, a lot, this has become a teaching tool of like, this is absolutely what we don't do, guys. Because this is right on the tail, like we said, the tail feathers of are proceeding, uh, I'm sorry, uh, a, a precursor to Waco, which is literally nine months later. So while these court cases are taking place of like the FBI and the ATF being under massive scrutiny, especially the ATF, they were thinking about defunding them, pulling their funding. Guess what happens? Waco. I knew the name Waco growing up, but I didn't know to the extent. And I just started looking into it and understanding a little more and like, holy freaking crap. I mean, yeah. Maybe some more issues. I can kind of understand why the ATF got involved for as the amount of weapons that were being stockpiled. But again, holy crap. I don't know. Maybe we'll go ahead. Uh, it is my personal opinion. Oh, it, God. Or if I own one firearm or 100,000 firearms, if I am not doing something illegal with them, you do not have a right to come take them from me. Yeah, but then you can resist them, Micah. Stop it. Stop thinking you have the right to resist. Right. I could, I could with that amount of weapons, I could I could come up with an army to help me. It's almost like they killed 76 people in Waco just to prove a point of like, hey, you will die if you try to take up arms against your government. Like, how bad is that? 
How bad? I mean, maybe we need to do an episode on Waco now. I don't know. Maybe we'll do some research and we'll bring that to you guys too. But holy crap. Like, there has been a couple times, a handful of instances, instances where the government has overreached. Human error, I understand, happens. But 70-plus people? That is not... Ruby Ridge, I'm not forgiving it. I, I think... I, I'm not 100% holding any one individual responsible at Ruby Ridge. But, but that's it, three total dead people. Correct. Wake that's up what I'm saying. 76. Yes. Yeah. I, I just... Again, we'll probably... Talk about Waco. Yeah, we'll we'll see if we get into it. But point being, guys, I don't know if you've listened to this episode. Thank you, first of all. Um, if you have information on this, as always, we've always extended this to any of our listeners. Please reach out to us and let us know if we maybe missed something or we gave false information. Um, we'd love to know that because we'll put it on our Facebook page if we got anything wrong, or in our very next episode, we'll we'll let people know if we you know we'll correct ourselves. We have no problem with that. Um, the show is based on giving excuse me, cold hard facts as much as possible with instances like this where we know what happened. Um, obviously, when I talk about aliens and Bigfoot, it's a little harder to provide the cold hard evidence, or is it? Um, anyways, uh, I think that's about, I think that about does it for me. I, I just, I will say, I my American listening and reading to this story and going into it really bothered me because it really showed how uh I don't want to take the mindset of certain people because certain people like to have that mindset of, man, you better not resist, dude. You really think you make a difference, dude? They will wipe you out and kill you. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Me as an individual, 100%. 100% I'm a dead man. But if we as a collective unit of people stand up and say this crap isn't going to happen, then you have power. It's just like with – um, excuse me. Or go ahead. I'm sorry. You wanted to say something. I was just going to say. I actually had that discussion with uh, Brittany last night um, about because I was talking to her about this uh, this incident, and um, she was kind of like, you know, she doesn't feel bad for him, and and I get it. He he broke the law. He did. Yeah. And, and he broke the law again by not showing up to court. But so yes, my argument was. I don't believe that it should have been a crime in the first place. And yeah. Took an otherwise peaceful person and you turned it violent by charging him with a crime. And, and in my her personal opinion, he shouldn't have been charged with. Do I think that Randy Weaver was a fantastic person? Eh, probably not. You know, I, 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 I kind of. At the same time, I. Opinion about people that that openly express r- racist tendencies and that kind of stuff but this isn't about his personality just like who's president it isn't about their personality so much as it yeah. is about what they you know who they are and what they stand for and and what they bring to the table ultimately like let's hit on that for a second when when we're discussing him being obviously and maybe it's not fair of us to say he's a racist because we don't know for sure it sounds like some of the things he was saying were definitely bigoted a lot of people have to have this discussion and say well there's a difference between racism and, and bigotry which to an extent there is but i feel like a lot of racists hide behind the term bigotry in my personal opinion that's my personal opinion um to say that they're a bigot i'm not a racist i'm a bigot that that's just my take on it but i will say this i'm in no way shape or form 
at all. Defending Nazis, defending white supremacists, that's not my thing at all. That's not my game. But I will say, this is America. Now Nazis hit the road. But if you have the opinion and you practice whatever religion or whatever belief you have in a safe manner that's not actually harming people. Now those guys up there in Washington actually got broke up because it wasn't even a couple years later they shot at a, a mom and a son whose vehicle backfired and these guys opened fire on her and they got sued by them or that lady and her son sued them and were able to take all their stuff and their their uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Their compound that they had everything. So anyways, they were able to get them that way. But my point being, they were violent. But if you're actually just having a belief system that's not actually oppressing anybody and just saying things that people don't agree with and don't like, you're not actually breaking the law in America. And whether people like me or hate me for that, that is the truth. Because here's the gray, weird area for it. Just think about it for a second. You might be getting really pissed at me, but think about it. If someone says... I don't like black people, or I don't like white people, or I don't like Hispanic people, okay? I don't have to agree with them. But if they're not actually doing anything to harm those people, they're legally within their constitutional rights to have that freedom of of, of speech. And that's just my take on it, because at the same time that I'm sitting here going, yeah, that guy's a piece of crap for having that opinion, I'm within my legal rights to have that constitutional freedom of speech, so I we I feel like this is and you and I have talked about the freedom of speech being completely ruined in this, especially with social media. Um, that is just my feeling on it. Again, I will reiterate: I am not a racist. I do not support Nazis. I do not support right supremacist movements. But I will always support freedom of speech because the day we start and we we are going to label this hate speech, which is already happening. But the day we start labeling hate speech is not allowed. Which isn't a good thing. Again, I don't support it. But the day you take that freedom away, your day is coming too. And that's the whole point from this thing. That's why people stood up when Ruby Ridge happened and when Waco happened is because if it can happen to them, it can happen to you. And it's just a matter of who you piss off, when you piss them off, and whether you want to take a stand or not. Now, again, I, I'm starting to sound like a lunatic here, but like... I, this... I, th I think that's, that's, actually, that's actually very well put. Um, it's, it's not about who he was, what he stood for. Like, it's about the principle of do you allow, <laughs> do you Go ahead. allow the government to dictate to you and everyone else what is and isn't against the law and then subsequently punish you for something so un, you know, like, Something completely and utterly harmless, like changing the size of a barrel on a firearm. Yeah. That is, in my opinion, ridiculous. It's overreaching. And it is something that people shouldn't tolerate. No. Um, but ultimately, th that's what this country has become. We've become, you know, it's the whole like, uh, you know, like wartime or hard times produces hard, pe you know, hard men. And yeah. then peace or, 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 yeah, hard hard times produce hard, you know, like bad times produce hard women or strong men and strong women. Strong men and women produce good times and, or hard, you know, like hard people produce good times. When you have good times, you produce weak people. And it produ it does produce weak people and it produces uh, people who are, um, how do you, they're, uh, I, I, I'm drawing a blank, but they're just like, they're content with. Yeah. Being completely, they're complicit. You might, you might think it's 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 insequential 
to be like, oh, well, yeah, that's illegal. And, you know, you can't do that. But then what else are they going to make illegal? Yeah. And they continue and continue. It's that whole, like, it's like, a slow fade. If, if you allow, allow them to make certain speech illegal, that's not threatening anybody. That's not overtly causing a riot. It's not, it's not intention, you know, the intentions behind it are not terrible or whatever. They're not actually doing anything. They're allowed to say whatever they want. Yeah. And if you take that right away from them, then they're going to, they're going to take that and they're going to go to the next thing. And it's going to keep escalating from there. And then pretty soon you're not going to have a legal right to disagree with a, a politician or you will be arrested and thrown in jail for it. Like Who represents we- us mother trucker. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not saying it to you directly, but I'm saying they freaking represent us. They are a servant of the people. Now, people get par- fired up when you say, oh, I'm getting tired of hearing we the people or the people. No, this matters. Remember those things. Hold to those things. They're in a position, elected position, to do what's right by us as a whole, a collective. Not this freaking agenda that's just getting pushed. Again, we had this discussion. I had this discussion a couple nights ago with somebody who's not into politics at all. And I, I said... You know, because they were saying, well, you kind of sound like Republican. I'm like, just because I agree with some things on this side or that side doesn't make, and why do I have to select which gang I'm in? And I know some people, and I know you don't like using that term, but basically saying, hey, you have to either be a Republican or you have to be a Democrat, it's kind of like another fancy way of saying you either belong to this gang or that gang. And now you're... Bloods are the Crips. Well, I wasn't going to go straight to that, but yeah, you could say the Bloods and the Crips. Why not? Sure. Because <laughs> that's the way it is, right? You're in that group. We don't associate with that group. We kill that group on site kind of deal. And I just, it bothers me. But we could go all night on this. And I know we could break into some other things. So I I know you got to get going. I got to get going too. Um, If you guys enjoyed this episode, please let us know. Whatever. um, I noticed that most of our listeners subscribe to us on uh, Spotify. I don't think you can leave a review on Spotify. But if you can. You can heart it. Yeah, give it some hearts, bro. Heart me up, you know? Like I can't I've never been able to I nobody cares. Nobody's watching on YouTube. <laughs> We're doing heart symbols. For those of you that are listening, uh Mike and I look really special trying to do heart symbols right now. But anyways, point being, um this is something we should always keep oh, in mind. I got one that's really easy. Oh, you're gonna send it? Oh yeah, for the one person who's on YouTube. Oh my gosh. Oh yeah. <sighs> Look at those effects. Anyways, um, yeah, I, I just, I just, I thank you. Actually, I want to thank uh, my uncle Tony was the one who brought the kind of, and he didn't initially reach out directly to me, but from him mentioning Ruby Ridge, I got looking into all this, and I didn't know to the extent that this went. I didn't understand why he said he basically was like he said he could kind of forgive Waco, which I don't know enough about Waco to to agree with that or disagree with that, but he said he could never forgive Ruby Ridge. Um, and I, I, I mean, I don't know that I completely disagree. I, I know hindsight's always twenty twenty, but for God's sake, man, like this, this was bad all around. And, um, we, I don't think we are, we have a right to them in some ways, irregardless of their positions and who and what they are to uphold certain standards and how this was handled. Just like as much as now, this is a whole other subject. Just going to mention it briefly. We're not going to go into it, but like the same thing with like some people, Saying like, well, you know, talk about how black crime with the the police force and how that's such a hyped up thing. Well, there's two parts to that. Maybe there is a freaking problem. Maybe, though, sometimes we have two people who are crying wolf. We can't have that. 
We cannot try, and this goes for anybody. I don't care who you are. Do not call injustice where there's not injustice. Now, don't get all fired up on me, and I'm not giving any specific case, but I'm just saying as a general rule of thumb, it's like accusing a guy of raping you that hasn't raped you. You are you are taking people who have actually been raped and making them illegitimate. You're taking their case and everything that they went through and their trauma, and you're spitting all over it because you are not you, – you, it just goes down to freaking integrity and some honesty. You know what I mean? I'm just saying those should be addressed as well. That needs to be something that's, you know what I mean? I, I just, I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, if we flip the script on this, if this has been in some sort of urban thing and this has been an all black family, do you think it would have lasted 11 days? I don't know. I know it's another touchy subject to get into, but I'm just saying we were in Detroit. I don't know. <laughs> then again, we might've rallied, man. Detroit might've rallied around. <laughs> Real quick. Um, <laughs> It, it it might be some so shortly after this there was a, an incident with a with a man an older man um, I don't know why oh but, yeah <laughs> I uh, forgot a, about a this trooper I don't know what state this was in but he Texas trooper it was in Texas okay um, Northville or something like that and then he he fled the scene and he went to his house he had firearms and he said he wasn't leaving without a fight. And the uh, sheriff decided, you know what? He's going to isolate himself. He hasn't been off his property in 14 years, and they still haven't gone in after him because they know that it'll result in a gunfight. And yeah. they choose not to allow something stupid to cause the loss of life. Which yeah, is wrong. Don't go biting people. Yeah, we're not promoting that. <laughs> I don't know my rights. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. Point being, yeah. Didn't they say that was the longest, technically the longest running standoff, but it's not really a standoff. <laughs> but anyways, guys, if you've enjoyed this episode, let us know. Like I said, show us some love. If you're on YouTube and you're watching this, please hit the like button, hit that subscribe button, leave a comment. I do check those. Actually, I do check our videos about once a week, at least on YouTube to see if we have any comments. We've had a couple of people leave some comments. So uh, continue to do that. We'll interact with you there as well. And as always, join the conversation on Facebook and feel free at any time, reach out to myself or Micah to let us know if there's a show you guys want to talk about. And as we mentioned in the very beginning of this, in the introduction, we're going to have the she squatchers on our next episode. And we're going to talk about Bigfoot and Micah is going to really probably grill them a lot. <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know that that she's gonna like me. I'll just. Nah, it is what it is. We'll we'll see. Right. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> but either way, um, thank you guys for joining us. That's the last time I'm gonna say it. So as always, stay curious. Keep it weird.